You are listening to an audio resource produced by Faith Presbyterian Church in Anchorage, Alaska. If you would like to learn more about the life and ministry of Faith Presbyterian, you can do so by visiting us online at faithanchorage.org. What our honor it is to be on the army of God. We are onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Soldiers for Jesus, that's what we are. God, he loved us and he showed his grace to us and it's an honor to be in his army. As we sang, it says that then Christian soldiers on to victory, hell's foundation, foundation square at the shout of praise. And we have the promise from our Christ, his own promise, that we will not fail. I bring greetings from India, from my family, from New Light International, my wife Esther and my children and the church is there. India is a small country on the world map, but, have, but has big numbers. 1.2 billion people, which is one-sixth of the world population. 1,652 languages and dialects. Around 2,600 ethnic groups, people groups. And out of them, 460 million people have not heard the gospel even once. On this occasion, I would like to thank you for this partnership, for your love, your prayers, and your sacrificially sharing your resources for this work in India. To quickly share about the New Light International, in 2001, God gave us this vision to reach the totally unreached people, plant churches where there is no church at all, and disciple committed believers for ministry and also help the poor and needy with some charitable helps. God bless this ministry through your prayers. We are working in more than 1,000 towns and villages which are pretty much unreached. Planted 223 churches, the first church in the place. These are small towns with 500,000 people. Villages between 3,000 to 20,000 people. No church, no missionary, no evangelist. God help us to go there and plant churches there. We have two Bible schools with 35 students getting trained. And 619 in the children's homes and welfare centers. And we also try to help people through vocational trainings so they can also learn, hear the gospel through those vocational trainings. Just a small story before I go into the message. This was 2002, October. We went to a village named Karari. I did share this in the Sunday school also. A person who had tuberculosis, he got healed during a meeting. So he asked us to come back to his place. So we went back to his family, 
and another uh, one of his brother also got saved. And he asked me this question. This man's name is Balram. He asked me this question. Jesus has come to this world 2,000 years ago, and he has made the way. He has prepared salvation, and he has given this message of love and grace. It took you 2,000 years to come to our place. How many more years would it take you to go to the next village, which is just a half mile away? Scary, but this is the reality. 2,000 years to go to in this small village of 8,000 people. How many more years would it take for us to go to the next village with about 5,000 people? And the next town, which is 500,000 people. The topic that is given to me is how are they to hear? How are they to hear? If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans 10th chapter, beginning from 8th verse, and I will go all the way to 15 and read the 17th verse. Romans 10th chapter, beginning from verse 8. I like ESV, but I grew up reading King James and NIV, so I'm reading from NIV. If you have other versions, you can follow that. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with you, your heart, that you believe and are justified, and is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. 11th verse says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 17th verse. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. As we look into these verses, let us close our eyes for a moment and pray that the Lord will speak to each one of us. Lord, I thank you and praise you for this wonderful time of worship, that could, we could sing praises, that we, we could come like this and worship you, honor you, thank you for what you are in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the living word that you've given to us. Lord, I pray that you, your word speak to each one of us. 
Not my words, but I pray that you speak to us so that we will be moved, so that we will understand what you want us to learn and that we will walk in the truth that you show us today, Lord. Help us to concentrate. Help us to look to you. Help us to not get diverted. Help our thoughts to be here. Commit ourselves and this word into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. The word says that salvation is to all who respond to the call of grace. At some point of time in your life, you heard the gospel. Someone shared the same word which must be shared to you from your childhood. And you accepted Christ and your life is transformed. I was 14 years old when I accepted Christ through an American missionary. They were having a crusade in my place. About 5,000, 6,000 people were there. And the same word, John 3.16, which I've been hearing from my childhood, it did speak to me. I accepted Christ as my personal savior, and my life is changed. That mercy, that grace, which is unmerited favor, was shown to me on that day. And the word is near our mouth and our heart. And when we respond, we became believers. Our life is changed. And whoever accepts Christ, they'll be not condemned. They'll be saved. Whoever doesn't accept Christ, they'll be condemned. That's what Mark 16 chapter says. And God gave us this opportunity, and so we are saved, and so we are in the church, and we are happy, and we worship the Lord, because that's a privilege that we got. That when we confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. That with our heart that we believe and justified and with our mouth that you confess and you are saved. And anyone who trusts in him, he will never be put to shame. So God did this work of grace in our lives. And immediately when we accepted Christ, we are evangelists. Because the great commission that Jesus has given is for all who have accepted Christ. Not just for people who go to a seminary, not just for some ordained pastors, but the responsibility of sharing the gospel is for everyone. The, the changed life speaks for itself. Uh, when I accepted Christ, a lot of things changed. I, I shared in the Sunday school also. My life changed. The way I speak changed. My friendships changed. And people started asking, what is that you have now which, uh, like which you did not have yesterday? A transformation. And... It's a sanctification is a process, so I was in that, and I'm still there. So it's an ongoing thing. And we are in a war. We entered into a war when we accepted Christ. We are on the enemy's side. We switch gear, and we are on, on the Lord's side. So the enemy will somehow want us to depress us, somehow want us to go back, somehow want us to suppress us, some, somehow want us to put in lies, and somehow bring take us back from that fellowship and the joy that we have in the Lord. But the promise is there. Once saved, God has saved us, and he 
continues to give us second chances. So 88, I accepted Christ, and 91, I rededicated, and there was no turning back. So when the call came, uh, when I heard about the unreachedness in North India, I committed my life for full-time ministry. I was an engineer then, mechanical engineer, and I accepted Christ and followed his calling. The question here is how are they to hear? The magnitude is more. When we look at your own family, there might be a few family members who are still not saved. When we look at your neighbor, there's that need. When you look at your community, the need is evident. And when you look at people, there's that need evident. It's a big task. And the problem is we can't save anyone. And the grace is required, but we can be a witness. The word says, there are a few questions that come here. How, are, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can someone call on someone they have not believed in? And the second question, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? They have not heard, how can they believe? They have heard, but how can, like, uh, how they can call on the one they have not believed? Okay. And the third one is, how can they hear with someone without someone preaching to them? The third question is, how can they hear with someone not preaching to them? Jesus, when he gave the commission, great commission, he said, go and make disciples. If you want to read, you can, you can see it in Matthew 28th chapter. And baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the third one, fourth uh, command is, is like, teach them to obey all those things he taught us. So the word is in our hands, and we are preachers. We speak the word, God does his things. We speak the word, God does his miracles. We speak the word, we share our testimony, our mouth speaks, and God saves people. And we leave a testimony, God takes that testimony, and people will, themselves they come and say, how are we to receive this joy? The joy that we received, the world cannot give. The peace that I received, the world could never give. I was in gangs, I was in all kinds of things, but I was never happy. At, when I was there, just 13 years old, I tried to commit suicide two times. I drank poison two times. I tried to put my head under a train at 14 year, when I was just 14 years old. The frustration that was in me. I was going to church, but nothing. Because there was a frustration, there was a war going. And I wanted to kill myself and commit suicide and all that things. But when the grace was shown towards me, God separated me, and God gave that salvation and the peace that passeth all my understanding and the world's understanding. The peace I received. So this is my duty that I share that because I received it. I'm a beggar getting from God, and I tell other beggars to go and receive it from the Lord. That is our duty. We can't save anyone, but we can show the way. We can show the way. How can they hear unless someone preach, unless someone goes out, unless someone go and tell them. 
And the fourth question here we see, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? There are places where maybe we cannot go, but we can send people. There are places where maybe we cannot dare go, or maybe all that culture thing, all that thing. If God calls us for a specific calling, we go wherever he calls us. But if God wants us to be where we are, we think globally, but we act locally. We think for all over the world. We think for all those people who are not reached. We pray for all those people who have not heard the gospel. But our duty is local. You are in Anchorage. This is your mission field. Be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So just wherever God calls us, wherever God calls us. To tell about my wife, Esther, she has a specific calling for Jansi. Jansi is the place where I am. And uh, this is an arranged marriage. My parents arranged it, her parents arranged it, so uh, it's a totally arranged marriage. Um, I shared that I am in Jansi, and she was praying that she should go to Jansi for how many years, I don't know, but she was praying that, Lord, when will you take me to Jansi? That was her prayer. She did not know where Jansi was. So Jansi is a city in the northern part of India. And I, I was a missionary from there. So I went from South India to North India as a missionary. So we meet, we got married. And many times there is this fear, there's this oppression, persecution, and a lot of sicknesses and all that. The spiritual warfare in life did drag me away, in the sense would drag me to the comfort zone of South India all those Christians and large churches and the comfort and the spiritual freedom that we get in South India. So many times I would say like, okay, I think we had, we had done enough. Let's go back home. But she says, no, you want to go, <laughs> you go. But this is what it is. God has called us with a purpose to this place and we are here. There needs to be someone who tell others. And how can they preach without someone sending them? unless they are sent. Because it is written, how beautiful are those feet, those who bring good news. Beautiful feet. Your feet are beautiful because you are holy people. God has washed you. He shed his blood for each one of us, for me. He washed us. And our feet are beautiful when they are ready with the gospel of peace. Then our feet are beautiful. We wear that armor of God and we are ready with the gospel of God. Our feet are ready. And our feet are beautiful because we take the good news to others. The good news is you, you have no reason to die. You don't need to go to hell, but you have a way to go to, to receive the salvation and be and have that eternal life that God gives. So dear friends, as we meditate on this word, let's not forget God in his grace has saved us. And let's not be selfish to ourselves, but let's spread out the word. Be a witness wherever you are and be a witness. And when you open your mouth, God will use your mouth. When you live Christian, 
God will use your life. You, you might be the most timid person in the world. You might be the most, like, unspoken person kind of thing. You, you may not be able to speak. I, I was that. I never thought that I will share or stand before people. When I'm sitting there, I was fearful to stand before people here. But God made me stand before like hundreds of thousands of people. But every time I stand, it's, I am totally frightened because it's, it's not me. But God can use someone like me too. And he can use each one of us here. We thought, we'll do a small ministry. Three, four villages, one lifetime, we'll try to reach out a few thousand people. But this ministry is reaching to a few millions of people, thousand villages and towns, and uh, many churches were planted. So this is, these are the questions that we have now. How can they hear? How can they be, call on the one they don't believe? How can they believe on the one whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As someone said, go, send, or disobey. Go, send, or disobey. So the question is for us. When Jesus gave this great commission to go and share the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize and to teach, to obey, he gave a great assurance for us. If we are obedient, he said, Lo, I am with you always. This is the great assurance that we have, an unbroken assurance that God has given to us. He is with us. When we go to the villages, we think that we are alone, but we have God with us. He is with us. And there are times when guns are pointed at me and said like, okay, next time you come, you are not going back. And we go to the same places, God turns those guns away. He's a miracle-working God. And he can use us mightily because we are his soldiers. We are his children. We call him our father. And he is the one who has created the, what we see and what we cannot. What we see and what we cannot. I was looking at a video yesterday there might be aliens somewhere, something. I shared it, actually, but I, I, I did put on that God has named all the stars. He knew that they were there. And that star, that biggest star, whatever it is, like when they rolled it up and then the earth was like not, not even a small spot there. So it's something small. And there, someone wrote saying there must be aliens somewhere, whatever. But the God of all creation, he loved this world that he sent his son and he loved us so much that he himself came in flesh to us, and he dwells among us. He dwells in us, and he dwells through us, and he speaks through us. We are powerful, and we are his children, and we are instruments in his children. Just be tuned into him. Just A guitar cannot say that I will play whatever I want. The piano cannot say I can, I'll play whatever I want. It is an instrument. When the pianist plays, then we could sing like onward Christian soldier, because the pianist was able to played. That's how we are. We are instruments in the God's hands. When we are obedient to him, he will tune to the pitch it is required. He will play a melody out of a useless instrument. If the piano sits there, it's nothing. If I sit down, that's nothing. I, I, I'm nothing. 
that when we go into the Lord's hand, he can use us and do wonders. So should I brag about myself? No, it's him. Should we say that, okay, we are in 2,000 villages and we are doing all this? No, it's him. We are just instruments in his hands because he did his work of grace and he wants to do miracles through our life. So 17th verse. Subsequently, faith comes by hearing the message. Faith comes by hearing the word. It's not by hearing whatever comes by. It is by hearing the word. The word has the power. You have every answer for your life's questions. You have every um, path, like in the sense, you have all the directions for your life in this word. Just open it. This is power. And when you read the word, you get that faith. When someone listens to the word, they get the faith to come to God and repent for their sins and accept him. The word says faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing the, hearing the word of God. So this faith gives us the strength to go forward. As we read the word, we are motivated. As we read the word, we go forward. Regarding faith, it says in, in Hebrews 11 chapter, first verse. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for and certain of that we do not see. So as we be a witness for others, we trust in God and see what we, he can do. We go into his hands and see what he can do. It is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's an assurance of what we do not see. I like that uh, passage where uh, Jesus fed those 5,000 men and women and the children. In that passage, it says that he sees this large crowd and had compassion on them. And he healed the sick and he taught about the kingdom. Maybe it was a full day meeting. And there were lots of people, 5,000 men. So generally, there might be at least 5,000 or 6,000 women. And each family has two or three children. So there's a lot of people, 20,000 maybe at least. And he was teaching, then disciples saw a problem because they were organizers. They felt like, okay, these many people, there's no McDonald's anywhere close by, and if, even if they open also, then they cannot serve for 20,000 people, like whatever. So all this math is difficult. And, and they started, they had the, all their calculators and their iPads and all that, and they were calculating like how much money would require to feed so many people. So they go to Jesus, like Philip went, and he says, like, it takes like eight months' wages to feed a small meal, like just give them biscuit. 
That's it, but it takes like eight, eight months' salary for a very good earning person. So there was this problem, and especially in a place where it is wilderness. I see it this way. All of them heard the message, and faith comes through hearing. But this little child, and when I, I have a bag, and generally I have at least a small biscuit packet or something in my bag, or at least a granola bar or whatever. There are all those people, they must be having something with them. But everyone saw the magnitude of what they have, like this small thing. What would this be like, a small lunchbox? And this child, small little child, he heard the message, and his faith increased. And he goes with this small lunchbox, which is just small five loaves of bread and two small fish. This is not like this big salmon or a whale or, or nothing like that. Small fish. It's a small little child's lunchbox if he eats it. But he goes to Jesus, and he gives it as an offering. He gives it. Because he believed that if Jesus eats it, that will be like a snack for him, for Jesus. If the boy eats it, it will be like his small lunch for him. But he has seen what God can do with that. Because he did not see the size of his lunchbox, but he has seen the power of God there. So trusted. And the boy gave that little that he had and trusted for a miracle and and he saw a miracle. The difference, if we offer nothing to God, we will have nothing to use. But in his hand, little can become a lot. Little can become a lot to do something great. In John 6, 9, we see this. With just five loaves of bread and two small fish, 20,000 people could eat. Because God can multiply that little. So how are they to hear? This is what it is. We give ourselves to God. This boy gave, gave whatever he had into God's hand. He could have eaten for himself. There might be others there who had food, but they did not dare it. But this little boy had that faith because his faith increased by hearing the word of God. And he trusted in God for a miracle, and they were all fed. So this is our responsibility. This is a command that needs to be obeyed. This is a commission for each Christian. We go and make disciples. And the rest of it, baptizing, there are pastors. And we also teach them to obey what the Lord has taught us. When we are obedient, the Lord will definitely do great things. Just like this boy, he gave, and he was a blessing for all of them. They were, all of them were hungry, and about 20,000 or 15,000, whatever, they were fed. So when we give, the Lord will take. Before I close this sermon, I would like to share a story which I like the most. A person who has influenced my life. 
There are other biographies I read, many biographies, but this one is close to my heart because this person's life has something to do with my conversion. William Carey, born in 1761. He's also known, he's known now as the father of modern missions. William Carey was born in England in a very poor family. And he was with the Church of England. He got, but he got saved while he was an apprentice to a shoemaker. And after that, he joined the Baptist Church of England and went to India as a Baptist missionary. I read this story. It says that William Carey took charcoal and on that leather, what he has, making those shoes, whatever, he made a world map and he used to pray for India. So one day, he shared about his calling and there were lots of oppositions, but he was sent. When I look at his odds, like his weaknesses, he was an Englishman, poor, impoverished living conditions, very poor living conditions. He did not have enough funds, and he was only a cobbler apprentice. He was rejected for ordination in 1785, and when he went to India, four of his children died of malaria and cholera. His wife became insane. And there was opposition from the Britishers in India. He was not very much educated. He started working in India. He was an Englishman. Went to India where the language is a different a different language. They spoke Bengali in Bengal. That's where he went. He waited seven years for his first convert. There were all these cultural barriers. He learned the local language and he translated Bible, handwritten all the scripts. He imported a, the first printing press to India from England and they were all ready to print. The mans manuscripts are there, manuscripts are there, handwritten, the printing press is there, ready to roll. And there was a fire accident that night, burning everything. All the work he done, he has done in years. Nothing there, just ashes. He had to rewrite it again, all the way, translate the Bible. Bring another printing machine and do it again. And he had problems and problems with health, cholera, malaria, repeated attacks. Those are his odds. But when we look at his accomplishments, he translated the Bible into 34 Indian languages. 34 Indian languages. An Englishman, one life, he gave himself to the Lord. He learned 34 Indian languages and translated the Bible into it. And the Bible, this is an English Bible, but I, the Bible I carry in India was translated by him. Started India's first weekly, Friend of India. Now also it, it, it is still published, A Statesman. 
He started Serampore College, which is a university now. 19 mission stations. Planted more than 100 churches. First, India's first newspaper was introduced by him. He introduced the first saving bank in India. And he was instrumental in abolishing sati. When a man dies, the wife is burnt along with the man, with the husband. That is sati. He saw that. He was shocked. He just started praying about it, asked people to pray. And he went and, and he had a talk with the British and they abolished it. About him, people ridiculed and said, in uh, Edinburgh Review in 1808, as a consecrated cobbler and a maniac, accomplished a work for which he is held and will be held forever in high honor as a true friend and benefactor of India. One man, simple, not educated, not rich, had all kinds of problems in the family. His wife is insane. She used to, like, scream and whatever, like. He went through all the spiritual warfare, but he stood for the Lord. He was obedient, and he is instrumental in doing great things for God. He said this, which is a famous saying, Expect great things from God. Our God is great. We should expect great things from God. And he also said, attempt great things for God. We may think we are small. We may think the need is great. But dear friends, when you give yourself, when you are obedient to the call, when you are willing to just speak out, when you are willing just to live a Christian, Lord will take that offering. He will bless it so that not just 20,000, maybe more would be fed by his word. More would be relieved from the hell. This is a challenge that we have now. Can we expect great things from God? If we think our God is small, we'll be small. But if we believe that God can do abundantly more than what we expect, and what we think of, he can definitely do it. He will do it. And he's willing to do through our lives. Some can go. Many can send. But all of us can pray. The magnitude is great. There are many who are still waiting. Jesus said, the end will come when the last person hears the gospel. They respond or not respond. Let's expect great things from God. As a church, as a family, as a person. Let's expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. With God, nothing is impossible. Let's close our eyes and look to the Lord. Yes, we got saved. We confessed our sins. God showed his grace. And in faith, we, we received the salvation. Our lives are transformed. And we have eternal life waiting for us. And even in this world, the Lord has given us peace and joy that the world cannot understand or can give. The questions that are in the word, how can they? How are they to hear? 
unless someone tell them, unless someone go, unless someone proclaim, unless someone is sent. Will you be willing to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, here I am. I will send someone. Lord, here I am. I will pray for those people who still have not experienced this grace or have not heard about your love. I don't know that there is a Savior who try to acquire their salvation by dipping in rivers, believing that their sins will be washed away. In taking, in doing vows and doing all kinds of things to please God. But salvation is only through Jesus. We know, we tell others. Believing that our God can do exceedingly more than what we expect and what we think of. Lord, our Heavenly Father, merciful God, I thank you and praise you for this wonderful time that you've given to each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you gave to us. Thank you for the wonderful fellowship that we get to get. Thank you for the word that you kept in our hands, in our own language. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to each one of us whenever we opened your word. Thank you to, for listening to our prayers whenever we knocked at your door. Lord, we, we thank you for that, Lord. But thank you once again for the great commission that you've given to us. You have trusted us and you believed us and you are given this great work to, to be done by us. Thank you for the trust you have in us, Lord. Help us to depend on you, have that faith. And Lord, help us to live your life. Live, Lord, for you. And sow those seeds so that people who are still away from the church will know you, will receive you, and Lord and we'll have that encounter with you. Thank you for this church. I thank you for the pastor, for all the elders, deacons, and the committee members, and all the members and visitors. I pray a blessing upon each one of us here, Lord. Let your hand be upon us. Lord, give us the strength. Take away the fear. And give us that spirit of boldness so we can be a witness for others because that's your command. Help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.